0: Box to Box Stoppage Time. Can you believe it? For Chemist Warehouse. Great savings every day.
1: And Hoyt's Hoyt's Herbs and Spices. Changing the mood of food.
0: And this could be the most crucial goal
1: of all. Hello and welcome to Box to Box Stoppage Time, a show in which we traverse the week that was in football through our games, teams and hot topics. Willem van Denderen with you, Derek Dyson and Michael Edgley with me. We've got Premier League, Australia Cup, J League, MLS, Rwanda, plenty more all to cover within the next 30 minutes. Derek, we'll hand you the new ball. Please take us to your team of the week. Yeah, I think it's a pretty obvious
2: one for team of the week. I've gone for West Ham United. Uh, they came into this season with a lot of people questioning them, even though they would got fresh European uh, silverware in the cabinet. They'd um, started the season without their captain. They were struggling, it seemed, to spend some of the um, Declan Rice money. and. When you looked at the bookies' favourites for the dreaded sack, then Moyes was definitely an early favourite. But Moyes and true Moyes' style has has changed the odds around here. They firstly beat Chelsea uh, during the week, which uh, was a huge surprise. And then they followed that up by beating Brighton, a team that were sitting on top of the league, I think, uh, last weekend. And they they played a a brilliant away day game there, Great uh, goal for uh, James Ward-Prowse. One of their new signings got a got a goal there and did his golf a golf celebration. Um, and they were top of the league before uh, Manchester City were able to 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 move back there. So a really really superb start for West Ham United. I don't think anyone really saw this coming. It's such a competitive league as it as it always is, but I think this league in particular, when you think of the quality of the teams getting in the middle pack, middle of the pack as well. For West Ham to be sitting on seven points after nine games is just extraordinary. Um, They will go to Luton next on Friday. I think that will be Luton's first home game at uh, Cannonworth Road. And uh, I think there's a lot for them to be optimistic about.
1: What is success for David Moye's this season, Derek? You mentioned that he's constantly trying to uh not negate the doubters, but there's always a point to prove I think for many his reputation will always just be to an extent soured due to what happened through Manchester United and then uh, he had to sort of go and rehabilitate that image in Spain and then back to was it to sunderland um so what what is success because this is a guy who isn't going to i think he's, he's right up there in terms of games managed but he's had the the sort of middling jobs rather than you know one of the the great long-term premier league managers who have who have won it time and again so is it is it survival is it is it getting them into europe what is what's what's a good season for, for Moyes? it's
2: a good question i mean i think it's more than survival i think if they can get through a season where they're not looking over their shoulder i think most west ham fans would be pretty happy with that i think though it would be unrealistic to think that they would you know finish in the upper echelons of the table I just, when you think of all the power and quality in the top six, even in the top eight now, if you um, you throw in the likes of Aston Villa, um, you know, beating Brighton was very much a marker, though. You could say that they were, they're in that next group of clubs that, that could do something and, and bustle their way into the top half. I think for Moyes, if they finished in the middle of the table, never really threatened with relegation, and then they managed to do something either in the Europa League, which of course they qualified by of winning the Conference League, or they had a moderately long cup run in either of the two cup competitions. I'd say that's a successful season.
0: It's a tough life, Edge, that middling existence. It certainly is because, I mean, they just have expectations of never winning it, but doing as best as they can. And it must be a tightrope to walk. Very much so. Have you got a team of the week for us? Yeah, my team of the week is for all the wrong reasons. It's Herburnian in the Scottish Premier League, and that's because they've lost their first three matches, a 3-2 home defeat by Livingston. And I raise this because, obviously, there are three Australians, uh, Martin Boy, Lewis Miller, and Jimmy Jigo, who currently ply their trade at Herburnian, as well as former Sydney FC sharpshooter Adam Lafronda, who joined the club uh, in the off-season. But they've sacked their coach, which means they're now looking for their sixth coach in less than five years. And it is really um, any club that lacks stability will find themselves in a bit of a tailspin. And that's exactly what's happening at Hibernian. And it's obviously uh, an important club for Australia's prospects because uh, we all know Martin Boyle. Um, He missed out on the World Cup through injury in the previous Asian Cup but we all know that um, when he's fit and firing, he's one of our most important players as a socceroo. So let's hope Herbernian get their act together um, because that's not a pretty narrative they're painting with them, is it?
1: It's not. Derek, I want to come to you on this as well. Don't They find themselves in a bizarre slipstream of existence. They're never going to win it, and their crosstown rivals' hearts are probably much the same, but they're also never going to get relegated. Europe isn't really... Um, really going to be a go for them given where the slots fall. Celtic and Rangers so strong, you've really got a, you know, a couple of cups a year to to get particularly excited about.
2: Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think uh, that's one of the challenges of being in that um, duopoly uh, of a league or monopoly of a league with the top one or two teams. I mean, I think what we always think about, particularly with Hearts and Hiberni, is if they can just somehow get it right they have fantastic fan base uh they've got a pedigree and a history and you just look at of all the clubs uh in the the Scottish Premiership that they could be the one that you could just see um you know just see doing something but yeah as you said they're at the wrong end of the table at the moment and you know they'd probably want to be in and about qualifying for those second third tier european places but as you said that's probably about as as good as it gets at the moment
1: that's an interesting pickup isn't it edge Lafondre, he's been great in the a-league and he's been great to us personally on this show but um yeah not particularly the age demographic you'd be looking at
0: well there's been a long line of people associated or connected to australian football at that club there must be some really good networks there but i must admit uh the lee johnson the coach that was sacked he's obviously a former Bristol City and Sunderland manager, but he said, I understand the fans will be calling for my head. I genuinely believe that we could have done it. I think, I think I've think i got a good squad. I'm pretty sure I've put it together, a good squad. I think we've had a few issues though, and that's probably drawn out in the
1: fact that we've lost three games. So he hasn't convinced uh, the chairman with that? No, after he said that uh, 24 hours later, he was sacked. Gone. Our team of the week comes from the Australia Cup, Brisbane, Roar, another side who find themselves in long-term mediocrity and obscurity. And they've had a really poor history in the Australia Cup, as we spoke about with Teo Pelissiri throughout the week on the main show. They made the quarters two years ago in the semi-finals last year, bombed it against Sydney United at 58. But prior to that, they had not made it into the quarterfinals from seven attempts. Ross Aloisi is their new cockroach edge. Now, there's a bit of skepticism around this as well. He's a a, a well-known... Uh, You could use the term well loved, but he's probably more sort of known for being an abrasive and hard at it type figure, probably not as loved as as his brother. Is he a top tier A League manager? Probably not. He's sort of scraped around and scrapped around for jobs. I'm conscious that I'm being, you know, relatively negative here, but it's not the, you know, the huge signing that Brisbane Raw fans would probably be looking to. But then again, they're probably understanding of their situation given they're, they're coming up to 10 years since their last uh their last trophy with mike Mulvey, would you believe at the end of of what was such a, a magnificent era um so the raw again not the most sort of promising season coming up but they've had a really big win here five nil all of them in you know pretty nice routine sort of fashion two teenagers on the uh, on the score sheet as well and they're into the quarterfinals
0: yeah russie i think his um reputations uh paints him as a bit of an angry ant but he's not like that when you meet him he's He's a lovely guy. He's, he's, he's a lot of fun to spend time with. Obviously, um, John Cosmina uh, talked to me a lot about um, Ross when he was playing for him and then as an assistant coach. So he's getting his opportunity. It's just one of those things in this in this A-League competition. There's It's great that, that young coaches get an opportunity. Uh, he'll have um, a difficult time because Brisbane Roar not as resourced as some of the other clubs in the competition, but they've made some pretty good signings. Um, um, they're still filling out their squad. It'll be interesting to see how they go. Um, they do have some natural advantages playing in the heat up there in um, in in the, in the peak of summer, which um, can be a lot hotter at, at Brisbane than other parts of Australia. But, look, let's um, see how he goes. I wish him well, and I think he's the sort of character that we want to encourage uh, remaining in the game and doing his thing. I'm sure we'll see some pretty interesting stuff on the sidelines from Ross. He's very... Wears his heart in his sleeve and pretty emotional about uh, his, his football, so I expect he'll probably give us some entertainment during the course <laughs> of
1: the season will him. Yeah, no, there'll be uh, there'll be some fisticuffs as there were. Uh, was it Eugene Galickovic? I think it was, or Michael Theo? He had a brawl with someone. Might have had a brawl with both of them. Derek, we'll uh, we'll move ahead to the game of the week, and you're taking us stateside.
2: I am, yeah, and eagle-eyed uh, sort of football followers will have charted the progress of Inter. Miami, I mean, what do you know? You you sack Bill Neville, you bring in the best player in the world and a couple of his mates and a decent coach and, and before you know it, you're nine from nine, having lost eleven games in a row. They've won a trophy, they're in the final of another trophy, and uh yeah, we are of course talking about into Miami and uh they uh beat Cincinnati F C last week on penalties after a Dramatic three-all game. Messi didn't actually uh, find the score sheet on this occasion, but he did set up a couple of the goals and scored a penalty in the shootout. Nice pass to Leo Campana. Forced uh, extra time. Um, Joseph Martinez scored three minutes into extra time for 3-2, but Yuya Kubo uh, got one with seven minutes to go and unfortunately was... Nick Haglund, um, who missed the kick for Cincinnati um, before uh, Benjamin Kramashi clinched the win for Inter Miami at uh, 18 years old. 18 years old, Edge, playing with Messi, and uh, they'll be off to the US Open Cup final. They'll play Houston Dynamo FC. I mean, this is literally exactly what they would have wanted from this signing.
0: Yeah, how'd you be if the you know, that young fella just walking out alongside Lionel Messi, the the goat? You'd have to pinch yourself, wouldn't you? I hope I hope that young fella's taking uh is, is taking full advantage of the opportunity he's given, because uh, that is something special, no doubt about it.
1: There's something it, about this that's piqued your interest, Derek. There's there's something that's what is it? What is it that interests you about this story? Is it the fact that he is the goat, as Edge calls it? The uh, the big name is there. It's not a you know, you're relatively sort of, you think through these things in a, in a critical manner. You're not, you know, a fanboy by any stretch of the imagination. No. So what is it about the Messi's move to to Miami that, that is, you know, this is this is a few weeks in now and, you, and you're continuing to, to follow it? Yeah, well,
2: he's he's just turned it around. I mean, like, you literally, I know Ronaldo joined uh, the club in Saudi Arabia when they were top of the league and they didn't win the league. Uh, Messi's gone into this club. This club are in absolute disarray they were in a terrible situation. They had the worst manager in the world and Phil Neville in charge. And and it wasn't looking, it was, I mean, I mean, for, for more information on Phil Neville and management capabilities, see the difference before and after his time in the England women's national team for, for more, for more detail. Um, oh, look, I look, I just, I also find, think he's just happy and he wasn't, What I find really strange. Well, not strange. He wasn't happy at PSG. Uh, and I think what we found is there were some smiles with Mbappe and Neymar, but he, he clearly wasn't happy. And he's gone to this project here and he's playing in a in a small stadium. He's playing around very, very, and with all due respect to them, like young, not particularly celebrated household names. Yes, he's got Busquets there now. Yes, he's got Martino in, in charge. But he looks genuinely happy and excited to be there. He's obviously really enjoying the project. And... You know, he was absolutely devastated when he left Barcelona. I'm sure if it was up to him, he would still be at Barcelona now. I'm just actually glad he found somewhere where he can, you know, where he can play his football and, and he can have fun because he's a, he's a tremendous player. I think in that Messi versus Ronaldo, as you said, I'm not a fanboy of either, but I think I know where I'd fall, Willem, in in that discussion. I think there's a little bit more humility Honesty and endeavour in terms of what Messi does with with his talents, and I, I'm glad that, yeah, just glad that he's found somewhere where it's
0: clicking. And Derek, I just want to pick up on your point. You're exactly right. He looks happy. If you contrast that to Ronaldo, every time I see a grab of Ronaldo in in Saudi Arabia, he looks miserable. What have you got for us, Edge? Game of the week. Take us to uh, Japan, please. Yeah, absolutely. I thought it was the clash of the two Australian coaches, Kevin Musket, Yokohama F Marinos. And Peter Klamowski's uh, FC Tokyo, which is a big, big club in, in, in Tokyo. So a um, bit of a derby. Obviously, Yokohama is a separate city to Tokyo, but it's all meshed in the one gigantic metropolis. And it was a 2-1 stoppage time win to Kevin Muscat. His team has now moved clear at the top of the table as a result of that. And he had to rely on a 91st minute uh, stoppage time screamer um, and uh, they got the job done, but it's just great to see. It. Kota Watanabe was the player that scored the goal from 45 metres in stoppage time to give Yokohama the win, um, but just isn't it fantastic? I mean, there's been a lot being made of Ange Postakokolo with Tottenham, but, um, you know, the J-League is the big daddy of um, professional football clubs in our Asian neck of the woods, and we've got two Australians playing their trade um doing exceptionally well. And you'd have to say that Kevin Musket is setting himself up for a fairly significant move to Europe at some point off the back of all the success that he's having at Yokohama. And, um, and yeah, do yourself a favour. Get on and have a look at some J-League uh, content because it's always exciting and thrilling. And Kevin Musket, uh, Derek, he looks like he's having the time of his life.
2: Yeah, he certainly does. And, and, and I think we mentioned on the show in the past that you know, you have these kind of dynasties of managers coming from the same country, but clubs just like to appoint from the same pool. And we were wondering whether Muskie could could do it, particularly because Andrew really blazed that trail, not just with the Australian national team, but other stuff before that. So, uh, as you know, Edge, this Japanese uh, J League is no—it's a competitive league. I don't—I don't think you just turn up with half a football brain and you can just organize a team and win the league I, I, you've really got to do something to win this league haven't you so I, th- I think it's all credit for him to adapt to the culture there it's a very different kind of place Japan you know different language different philosophy on life and everything else and, and for him to go into there and obviously build on the work that Ange put in place I'm sure that Ange's um, mark is still felt uh, around the club but yeah as I said I'd I don't think it's for everyone going to Japan, so the fact that he's there now thriving is uh, a mark of his ability and his adaptability.
1: It can be a little bit unfair that every time we speak about uh, Muskie, we speak about Ange, but that J-League title is Ange's one achievement that isn't spoke about spoken about anywhere near enough. I hold that in much higher regard than I do the titles at Celtic Edge, and although he went, what did he go, eight from nine, but that Japanese league is so strong. that are uh, 10 to 11 to 12 big clubs that have won titles historically and expect to compete every year. And now Muskie's staring down the barrel of a second title. And the um, coaches that Ange spawned out of his time in Japan,
0: you know, Arthur Pappas is now at uh, the big daddy of Thai football, uh, Buriam United. They are the big budget team. They're, they're going to be uh, favourites to get out of the group in the Asian Champions League. So um, the legacy of Ange Postacoglu's time at Yokohama F. Marinos continues. Not only did he win titles, he spawned, um, managers, Australian managers that are performing so well in Asia. So, yeah, it's terribly exciting times. But, um, yeah, um, make sure you get a bit of... Now that the Women's World Cup's over and everyone, all our listeners have a bit of extra time, get on logging it off to buy a um, sport, uh, subscription if you haven't got one already and check out some J-League. It's, it's really good fun.
1: My game of the week was Manchester United's 3-2 win over Nottingham Forest. I think the opening couple of weekends, and you'll probably tell me this is a stupid comment, Derek, but the opening couple of weekends of the Premier League can seem a bit sleepy when the sun's still out. Fans maybe a little bit dozy with their, with their can of Pims, but this was well and truly uh, <laughs> into the work of the Premier League season as the, uh, the overcast sort of rain settled in Manchester United. Remember the early, early weeks of Ten Hag's tenure last year. I think they shipped four goals to Brentford uh, and there was another really big Sort of poor, sloppy loss early on, and this one looked to be going uh, the same way. They conceded in the second minute to Tewo Awanyi, and in the fourth minute to Willie Bolly, Both of them uh, avoidable goals with you know issues between the uh, between uh, the keeper and the defenders uh, defending corners. But from there, it was well and truly uh, into their work. There was just a, a steeliness and a, a desire to to hit back. The goals through Ericsson and Casemiro that levelled the score. Uh, by the 52nd minute, neither of them were particularly beautiful or, or crafty, but they were just sort of good uh, and like goals to get them back into it. They were then assisted by a, a red card that was certainly there. Uh, Joe Worrell sent off for a, a tackle uh, as the last man, and Bruno Fernandes ultimately uh, converted with the penalty. He's a player that we love to criticize, Derek. He's an absolute pest. He's beautiful on the ball, but an absolute, yeah, bit of a, a shithouse off it, as you would like to say. Uh, but he led the team really well uh on this day and yeah you could see what it meant uh this is a side that 12 months on can't afford to keep sort of dancing around in the hope that they'll get it together eventually the time is now for ten hag and this was a, a big win yeah well gotta go back to the can of pims i mean if,
2: if that's true they they are drinking cans of pims at the football willem the game's gone the game is gone if <laughs>
1: It had um, that London or the, you know just that England <laughs> summer feel when everyone's sort of strolling around because you only get you know three or four weeks of it each year. So the opening I, week, I, I, I don't know, but this one had the the proper overcast Premier League intensity for mine.
2: Oh, okay, no, no, I I, I get I get what you mean. And look, you can't look at the league table now. You need to look at the league table, eight games, ten games in, to really know to really know what's going on. I, I still think there's a vulnerability in this manchester united team i i'm not convinced that they're the final package i'd i think um and ten Hag has done an incredible job particularly that they're going kind to of bin fire that he inherited um from the ralph ranik um regime and a bit like Tottenham, you know one of the one of my main rivals you know appointing a sensible high pedigree manager and, and seeing some results but i do think there's some. Vulnerability in the middle of the park there, and in the centre, the centre of defence. And I think it will still, we'll still see whether Inada is 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 really the answer there. But yeah, you mentioned Bruno Fernandez, the the player I love to hate. As I've said before, it's out of him and Richarlison for me, uh, who who I dislike the most. Um, I don't know who it is right now, but you're right. It, it, the undoubted quality. He was under a lot of criticism last season. He's Captain C was called under, the, under question because he wasn't seen as a leader on the pitch. It was a game where he, I think he gave up when, when Manchester United were being annihilated and he looked like he'd just thrown in the towel. Um, but he's such an effective player um, in, the, in, in the game and he's critical to whether they will do anything this season. But, yeah, I do remember Roy Keane making a comment about the prawn sandwich brigade a few years ago, but maybe it's the Pims brigade, brigade sure, sure. now, eh,
0: Absolutely. I can just I just want to know um when Derek you return to uh Emirates Stadium in I think you're going in October, aren't you?
2: Yeah, that's right. Uh, Arsenal versus Manchester City.
0: I just want to see a, a, a see if you can get your hands on a can of pims at the Emirates. I'm not sure you
1: can. <laughs> the game I'll, is gone.
2: I, I well I will try I'll try not to. I'm hoping for a brain-freezing pint of extra fizzy Fosters to drink in about five
0: so minutes still, at the interval. Fosters still have the porridge rights at the
2: Emirates. It does. Well, I think it does. So I will I will report back with a special
1: voice note after the game. Well, this show is all about the food and drink. We know that. Derek, your hot topic, please. Uh,
2: yeah, I think, again, hopefully some of our listeners will have followed this show. where This is the saga of Nike and the... Uh, women's goalkeeping shirts Uh, before the tournament uh england goalkeeper mary Herps had a dig at nike because you that you could not buy a replica of her shirt or in fact any of the nike teams um women's uh shirts you couldn't get that jersey of course she goes on to save a penalty in the cup final and while she uh wasn't on the winning side she was the golden glove one of the outstanding Uh, performers uh in there and but finally nike have um rode back and they and they have now said that the shirts will be on sale through each team federation's website although how many and when um wasn't specified Uh, nike have um have, have, have sort of acknowledged that it wasn't a great look before the game but now now they're hoping that they will now be available for all major tournaments in the future and i think even nike who you know relatively switched on you know woke organization rights-based organization yes big evil corporation as well um but they're meant to be one of the champions of women's sport but the bottom line really ruled the principle for for a long period here they obviously decided that there was no viability in having a stock of women's goalkeeping shirts but um they've, they've obviously read the read the tea leaves and, and uh, they've, they've righted a wrong there. And I'm glad now that little girls or little boys running around in England and further on can now get their Mary Earp's shirt. Well done, eventually, Nike.
1: And there was a, a custom release by an Australian brand called Ollie Edge with uh, Mackenzie Arnold, the, the great wall of, of Mecca, the Minister for Defence, that were released and sold to the Hilton, re-released and booked in again. Uh, rightly so too. Mecca has uh, endeared
0: herself to... Uh, all of Australian women football fans with her heroics. Did you see that coming six weeks ago? Three weeks ago? Uh, she's uh, earned her state uh, her status uh, right up there with Mark Schwartzer in one of Australia's best ever goalkeepers. My hot topic uh, um, is about Visit Rwanda, who's signed a five-year sponsorship deal with Bayern Munich. I know they've been sponsors of Arsenal, um, which has been uncomfortable, but this one's a bridge too far. You know, um, Visit Rwanda's. Uh, Rwanda's president is a big football fan, and he seems to do these deals around the place. And uh, I must admit, I was incredibly. I'm normally extremely lenient when it comes to commercial opportunities for football clubs. Um, you know, I'm not. Um, I'm not against the, the gambling, advertising, and those sorts of things because I think football clubs need uh, those sort of funds. But this one. Uh, it really sits uncomfortably with me. It's, I don't normally comment about these things, but you know, um, Rwanda is one of the you know the, the most destitute countries in Africa, and their government's spending money on signage and um, Mickey Mouse stuff at Bayern Munich and Arsenal. I wish they didn't. I, w- I wish the clubs wouldn't take it, Derek.
2: Yeah, I, I heartily agree, uh, Edge. Um, you're absolutely right. That Kagame is the Kagame, who's the dictator of, of Rwanda, It leads a uh, political oppression, there's no independent media, he oppresses uh, the civil society uh, at large there. Um, you know, this is an attempt to clean up the reputation of his regime. I don't believe it is a bona fide attempt to promote the country, even though that's exactly what it, what it says. Um, they do point to a, an increase in tourism as a, as a result of it. But as you said, they're one of the poorest nations in the world, but, and, and they receive a whole heap of aid. And that, a lot of that aid goes to schools and hospitals. But as you said, the National Kitty is being spent on these kinds of um, vanity projects. And, you know, African countries have the absolute right to build their profile. I don't want to be a Western white guy telling Africans what, what they should and shouldn't do with their money. I've spent a lot of time on the continent, hugely fond of it, huge potential. I love their football. I just don't see how this investment what it does for the people of Rwanda by a few sort of people in the in the hospitality um sector and they could have spent this money much more efficiently and effectively um you know Arsenal have if you're talking about Arsenal a huge african fan base african star players you know but you're you're abs- you know and I, I, I was disappointed with the decision uh you know you are right football clubs have to um have a, it's a very fine line in all these commercial decisions and we've spoken about it frequently on this show and whether it be having a crypto partner or a betting partner or an alcohol partner or an airlines partner you know you're always making these moral judgments um I suppose clubs like Arsenal Bayern Munich in particular who are not run by petrodollar states will point at this and say well you know if, if we're going to keep up with the Joneses this is this is what we've got to do. We've got to, we've got to take the money, and buy and spend a huge amount of money on Harry Kane. I don't know if this is part of the plan to start paying um, that back. But and you've said many times on this show, Edge, that sport and politics um, shouldn't mix, and I think uh, there is truth in that. But I think you're right to call this out. I think they're now sponsor Arsenal, PSG, and now Bayern Munich. It's very clear what they're doing, and uh, yeah, I wish they'd all made a different decision.
0: Yeah, look, um, the, the Visit Rwanda logo is going to appear in and around Bay Munich Stadium, but also on the, the sleeve of uh, their shirt. So Harry Kane will have that on his playing shirt.
1: To close, my hot topic is Celtic's stall start to the season under Brendan Rodgers, and maybe he needs to give Kevin Musket a bell and see how to follow an Ange Postacoglu uh, tenure. They are top of the league after three games, so uh, on that measure, perhaps not too stressful. But the past week, I've seen a nil-all draw with St. Johnston at home. Uh, and then a 1-0 loss to Kilmarnock in the League Cup, of which they were the holders. They've made six new signings, Derek, and secured uh, Tomoki Iwata permanently. Uh, we know they've lost Jota to Saudi Arabia, although he might already be moving on, but that's by the by. Uh, they've also let Carl Starfelt go to Celta Vigo. Uh, the fans are not particularly happy about that one, and they made that known uh, in the stands during that nil-all draw in the league with uh, St. Johnston. Rogers made some interesting comments around these signings. He said the squad has been strengthened, but not the starting 11. They got a trip to Ibrox this week to face Rangers. They got the Champions League group stages three weeks three weeks away. Uh, his departure the first time around was not as or wasn't taken as well uh, as Ange's was. So perhaps in terms of his reputation, it might have been better uh, to let sleeping dogs lie. But still, very early days.
2: Yeah, what do they what do they say about going back to your old flames? Well, maybe maybe best to be avoided, particularly if your old flame is. Had such a uh, su- such a an amazing lover in Ange Postacoglu. Uh so yeah, it, 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 I was a bit dubious about it when I when I saw it. I mean, obviously Rogers has huge pedigree. It didn't end well for him at Leicester City, but I think we've all acknowledged on this show that this wasn't entirely isn't his own fault. And yes, he, he you know he inherits a squad that was doing extremely well under Ange, but has been shorn of a lot of its a lot of his key players, that acid test is going to be Rangers. I mean, we were talking about it with Vernian chat earlier. You know, this is the season, these four games in the season dictate where the title goes or give us a good compass steer. And yes, they haven't managed to get themselves up for kill Malik or St. Johnson, but this is, this is the big one. And if they lose to Rangers, albeit it is our Ibrox, obviously you'd, you'd feel that Rangers have got an advantage playing in front of their home crowd. But if, uh, Celtic go down there without a without a performance, then I think um, some
1: of some alarm bells are going to start ringing. Thank you very much, Derek and Michael. Great to chat. Thank you to Adam on the buttons as well. And thank you for your company on Stoppage Time. Rob Gilbert will be back to lead the main show next Tuesday morning. In the meantime, please do subscribe to box to box wherever you get your podcasts. Follow us on X at Box2BoxNTS. Like us on Facebook and enjoy our written content at box Tell your friends and please join us next time as we go from one end of the pitch to the other in the world game.